All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. It's the show that celebrates those pesky themes of Saturday morning TV that not only did we grow up with, just look around, dummy. They're everywhere. They grew up with us. Uh, I, of course, I'm sure you don't need to know this, but I'm going to remind you, I am your host, Dan Grimshay. Uh, I've got a whole cast of supporting players here, too, of course. Uh, Co-host uh, Mark E out there on the Zoom waves. Uh, sound off. Let me hear if if you're plugged in. Pew 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 pew. I'm here. Oh, and he brought his he brought his little six gun. Uh, and and we're and it's not just the two of us because I've at least I've got one more right. Jimmy Lazinski, are you there? I shouldn't be here. I'm jeopardizing the mission. <laughs> and that's that's the kind of guy Jimmy is, though. Everybody, Jimmy the Gent is going to jeopardize missions for you <laughs> he do he do jeopardize mission. <laughs> I, I don't know why he keeps getting uh, so so thanks for joining us i know we've been away for a little while uh but as the world's been you know uh opening up a bit getting a bit back to normal we figured uh, you don't need us your plate is full get out there reacquaint yourself with with uh, your your community uh, we figured you didn't need us, but apparently you do. Just look at you. you you're a mess. Get <laughs> your shit together. All right. So we're going back to another episode. Uh, and, and what great timing, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mark, uh, uh, Jimmy, you guys just talked to a pretty big name in, in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And rumor has it, you even recorded it. A gentleman yep. by the name of uh, Kevin Kiner, been working in uh, the, the music composing business, uh, that, that music Ba-da. game for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, I, I think he's, um, I believe the title of this particular episode is Second to One, because uh, only John Williams is probably more important to Star Wars music than this particular guy right here. Oh, wow. uh, I, yeah, I know. Footnote in the title of his own episode. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Damn, that's cold, yeah, Marky. Yeah. No, it's not. I think every single composer that will ever exist would be proud to be number two to John Williams. And I think... Uh, and uh, according to our track record, I believe we have now talked to every other single composer except John Williams. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm working on it. I'll try to get him next time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this guy, um, just to give you a little taste in case for some reason you don't know, 
Kevin Kiner does the music for the Clone Wars, which is a very popular, uh, obviously, uh, Star Wars show. He also does the music for Star Wars Rebels. Uh, again, another big, amazing Star Wars show. And he just now debuted as the composer for the new Star Wars show, The Bad Batch, which I believe we have some music playing right now. Maybe you not. can believe it know. all you want, Marky. <laughs> okay. The editor uh, make that call, though. <laughs> and yeah, so it's a big, it's a big deal, guys. This is. Uh, uh, Wait, hold know, on. And, I and, think I hear it. Hold on. I think I hear it right here. Actually, you're right. <laughs> Do you hear the the rising swell? It's a tense, dirty but playful. Oh, how revolt! Oh, Kevin. Or perhaps there's nothing playing. We. We'll never know, but uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's really, he really Please is. Let us know what it sounds like. And uh, if you guys wanted to uh, hop onto his IMDB page, uh, you know, the guy's got 131 credits as a composer. He's got an additional, uh, I'm just scrolling down to the bottom here. Uh, he's got an additional, um, let me see. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to make sure that my math is right. That can't oh, be. Wait, wait, are you? Unlikely. That can't be. That can't be. Okay. Yeah. No, it's two. It, plus it's, two. It's, it's true. He has more credits than, than things he has, exist. He has 28 credits in music department, which could be like, um, like he could have composed the main title theme or he could be the musical director, uh, like on a stand-up uh, concert, like for a Jerry Seinfeld, maybe. You know, things like that will pop up under Kevin Kiner's IMDb page. And he, he's been around a long time. And what like what I would say is kind of his kind of thing is that he brings in this kind of, you know, what he did to Star Wars anyway, is that he brings in this kind of electric kind of themes, electric kind of rock kind of themes. into. Mark, we're kind of running out of digital. Maybe you can um, bullet point some of his highlight, highlight some of his greatest hits. Well, and, you know, that's just the thing is that, you know, we we ended up recording an interview with him that goes about 40 something minutes where we talk about a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I don't want to step on that. What do you guys think? Well, well right. I mean, we could we could lead the listeners into know what he has done, what they, we can expect us to talk about. Like, I'm such a huge fan of him since he worked on Superboy back in the late 80s. Yeah, he started on Superboy. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, yeah. And he currently does Titans and uh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, yep, yep. So, uh, so he's got some toes, uh, some professional toes, at least, in the DC waters, and apparently he, the Star he, Wars waters, from what you tell me. Yeah, and, and he actually has his toe in the Marvel world. Uh, he actually did... Um, I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but Samuel Jackson is not, he's not the Samuel L. Jackson is not the first live action Nick Fury. Did you guys know this? You guys hear about this? You guys hear about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's been on the news yeah. lately. Original Nick <laughs> Fury. The no, who is, uh, who I did is? know that, Marky. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently. Uh, I mean, like in one of the original Hulk movies, the Ang Lee one or something, they had the. No, uh, no. Uh, back in 1998, uh, David Hasselhoff, yes, the Hoff, Wait, uh, 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 he was uh, in a in a TV movie. David Hasselhoff starred Nick as Nick Fury. Yeah. Oh, and, um, fuck you! It, 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 it's true. Just, it's true. Yeah, this was like <laughs> and, uh, Agents of Shield. Nick Fury, not 
Howling Commandos, Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure what that means. But uh, yeah, but, thank yeah, you for yeah. the distinction, though. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Kevin Kiner, our guest, our interview, um, he did the music for that. So he's this guy's done DC properties, big, big time properties. He's done Marvel. Um, he goes like you know he did. Um, uh, do you guys should I just do this now? I guess I do this now. Like. <laughs> Wait, what are, are you setting up for uh, what I think you're setting up for there? A, buddy? Little, a little IMDb reading. Is it really? I am DB Reed. Oh, yeah. Read that database. I am DB Reed. That's right. It's time for IMDb. Buckle up, listeners. Here we go. Uh, We'll start from the top. Narcos, Mexico. City on a Hill. Nosferatu. Single Parents. Making a Murderer. Jane the Virgin. (laughs) Transformers, Robots in Disguise. Hell on Wheels, an amazing Western show that I really like. Oh, my God. I, I didn't even know that when I started talking to him. CSI Miami. He did the GoldenEye 007 video game reboot music, which I got to play again. I, I don't remember what that sounds like. I'm sure it sounds like... But with a little electronica kind of stuff. Uh, he did... Uh, just the, gave him a check for that, huh? <laughs> he also has credit with Star Trek, everybody. He did the, the music for 11 episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, he did... S. Uh, Stargate SG-1. He did Stuart Little TV series. He did the Invisible Man TV series. I am skipping a lot of things, by the way. I'm just trying to kind of narrow this down. He did Walker, ten, uh, Walker Texas Ranger. Um, he did Wing Commander. You guys heard of that movie? That's, yep, Wing Commander. Oh, yeah, the, the Freddie Prince Jr. masterpiece. Yep, yep, he did that one. <laughs> um, he did. He even did, like, uh, the Honeymooners uh, reboot. That uh, was in 1993. Um, he did, and um, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in the interview, which you guys are about to hear, but there is oh, a Saturday. So uh, I'm going to tease it, actually. I'm, I'm not even going to give, I'm going to give this away, but he does have a Saturday morning TV connection going uh, back to the eighties. So I'm going to leave that there, but tell me more, tell me more. Point is this guy's been around a long time. He's been a real part of your pop culture, about my pop culture for a long time. And he, he deserves to be featured in this radio show podcast. And here he is. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's stop spoiling the interview. Let's just go ahead and hear it because uh, personally, I'm curious. Uh, Magic interview machine. Do you have this thing? Can you make it happen? Can you give us Kevin Kiner? Meanwhile, hello, Kevin. Yo, Mark and Jimmy. Nice to meet you guys. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, we're just. I was just uh, rolling through. I'm kind of blown away at. Um, how long you've been doing this and um <laughs> me too wow i did a spit take <laughs> God, that's crazy uh, <laughs> um, I've, never, I've never done one of those i don't think geez but um you know if we go back far enough you worked on the superboy tv series 
Yeah. That and, was my first dramatic show. Before that, I was doing bloopers and, uh, you know, uh, candid camera shows and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Did you do the theme song for that as well? I did. That? Yeah. And um, that, so I that think... was the beginning of my existence for a while, that theme. Really? That's Yeah, uh, it was just tough to write. And so one thing we were going to talk a little bit about also is the character cues and everybody on that show had different character uh stings or musical themes like maybe bizarro yeah bizarro definitely had a theme yeah i forget what it was but i remember really working on bizarro's theme mixus pitalik bizarro they all had themes in fact the guy who wrote mixus pitalik uh became a good friend of mine that he was the head writer for a while on superboy um mark jones and we were at a rap party once, and he said, you're going to do my movie when it comes out. I'm doing a leprechaun movie. And we were all, you know, had a few drinks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, how many times I've heard that. And uh, I wound up doing leprechaun for Mark. Right. You got your you got your toe in a lot of really big names um, and been a pretty uh, uh, an underlying influence across my uh, fandom. Uh, unbeknownst to me so it's a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you oh well thanks um yeah thank you so what um let me start pretty easy i want to know who who do you look for or when you started a long time ago a lot of composers look to john williams as an influence this was but you've worked with them and you kind of like worked under them and uh are are as big a name in the Star Wars music industry as he is. So who who did you use as influence? Who inspired you to become a composer? Um, well, first, I, I got to, I actually never have worked with John. I've worked with his music um, through George Lucas and, 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 and that. But uh, I've only met John twice. And I'm, I've never really had a conversation about music. Um, both times we're at awards shows and pretty much our conversation I, I asked him if the chicken was tough because mine was tough and, <laughs> and that's kind of what we I mean I, I I also told him that he was my hero and he was the reason I'm a film composer um which is also true so kind of my story is you know I was a, I think a freshman at UCLA I was pre-med um in 1977 and when Star Wars came out, and I don't know when Superman the movie came out, I, sh I should look that up, but uh, that was a big thing for me too. Both of those films, the sound of them just knocked me dead. And I, I, what happened was I, I, I was like, how is he making that sound? What is that guy doing? It was completely opaque to me at that time. Uh, I was you know, mostly a guitarist. Um, and so he is such a, along with guys like my, my big heroes were John Williams, John Barry, Jerry Goldsmith, Ennio Morricone. And that was, that was, and now they're vastly different. Um, but those, those were the guys that I wanted to be, to sound like. And all of those cats, ex except for maybe, um, Jerry, but Jerry was still great with melody, but all of those guys are, were big melody guys. And, and, you know, you think NEO and, you know, Gabriel's oboe or whatever it is, John Barry, the melodies are insane. You know, everything he did out of Africa to, you know, somewhere in time and, you know, and the, not to mention the bond stuff, but anyhow, he, um, 
so those were my influences. And, and so my my biggest influence, though, was John Williams. And early on, you mentioned Superboy. That was my first experience figuring out what the heck the, the orchestra was doing and what the sound of Superman was. And if, if you go back and you watch that Superman movie, the first one or the first three with Christopher Reeves, uh, <laughs> Those, the only thing that really holds up is the music. Everything else is pretty schlocky and dated. And doesn't really translate to our, you know, yeah, you know, that's... zeitgeist and, and and our contemporary um, sensibility. And it looks, you know, but the music still kicks ass, and, and it's incredible. It's timeless. It's really timeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still. Hey, Kevin, when you when you. When you did start working with uh, with the Star Wars shows, you actually did work under George Lucas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and how George did, hired how me. He... I'm sorry. Well, no. How how did how did he uh, uh, inspire you to to score um, uh, the Clone Wars movie, the Clone Wars uh, uh, series, Rebels? And we're getting into the Bad Batch now. Yeah. So first first of all, I think about five of us auditioned for it. Um, and then, you know, and it was it was really daunting because you're auditioning for George Lucas. I mean, and the fact that I was chosen is fantastic. I think Dave Filoni was a big part of that as well. Uh, I mean, he was very, very involved from the very beginning of Clone Wars. And it, uh, but George was definitely, you know, Yoda on Clone Wars. And, and he taught us how, I mean, Dave and I are the last people who been working, who worked with George on a Star Wars project. And, um, you know, that's a great honor. He, he inspired me in different ways. Um, the great thing about George Lucas is he he loves to experiment. He hates doing things that have been done before, um, and it it can almost it 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 goes right to the level of being to the detriment of it because he's always trying to do something different, and sometimes the answer is really the same. Some of the same things are okay to do, and the example I always use is is that early on. The Star Wars Episode Four script was half in Japanese with subtitles, an early draft of that script. So, because he got all into samurai and Kurosawa and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, so if if you you look at him, you know that was him trying to push the envelope. Well, he pulled back because he he realized ultimately that wasn't going to make the movie that he was trying to make the way it needed to be, you know? And so he has the sense to try things, but he, he really has the sense to pull back and understand when things are not working. And, and that happened with me early on when, when he was really trying to get me to do so, like stuff his son was listening to, which was total hip hop stuff and whatever. And I had to go through some of those experiments with him. And we had to come to the conclusion that some of that didn't work in Star Wars, you know? Um, on the other hand, it did push us to a point where we found new things and actually continue to find new things that and and you know who would have thought like the last episode of Clone Wars 
and the 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 last what six minutes of it where, where we go through the graveyard and then we see Darth Vader. Who would have thought that would be entirely electronic in Star Wars? It was definitely something else to see. Uh, I think it's the if you were. I just recently watched the uh, the Clone Wars movie, and I watched the final arc of the Clone Wars and how they both just kind of mirror each other and how they start and how they end. Uh, kind of see the the full the full circle of Ahsoka Tano, and it's really something else. I think that the accomplishment of that series from where it started and where it ended is really something else. And you have a lot to to do with that. I think you're. You're one of, uh, I think it's one, two, three. You're one of four people that have scored a Star Wars movie. Um, you're in a very elite club. How does that feel to be a part of that club? And how do you see yourself in there? Where do you think you rank? If if I can get so. Good. Oh, I'm never gonna. You know, I'm not gonna touch that one. I'm, I'm gonna veto that well, last I'm just, I'm just barely, you know, even with John. No, I, I, <laughs> no, that's not true. So, uh, no, I, I have no idea where I rank. I, I do know that I'm extremely proud to have my themes starting to show up and other composers using my themes the ways in the, in the same way that John does, not to the extent that he does, because he created it, the whole thing. So there, there's never, I mean, you know, the difference in level is insane. But, you know, my agent and my publicist get really upset with me when I kind of talk about how great John Williams is and how, how big the difference is between his level. But it, it's the difference between his level and any other composer alive today or any other composer living for the last 70 years, you know, since Stravinsky died or something. Because... He, he's just so far above all of us, and, and uh, that's my opinion. And he, I mean, Jerry was insanely good, too, Jerry Goldsmith. But in, the main thing for me, the way I see myself in the Star Wars universe is I, I, I'm now deeply in the canon. My themes are part of the canon. Ahsoka's theme is, is, is definitely a big part of the canon, even my, some of the Mandalorian themes I use. Um, and you know we have, have have a lot of things that and and that's just um, I, I don't know you know that's when I sit back and and do these interviews and people ask me these things it, it, that's really when I it's kind of strikes me it, I, I I haven't thought about it that much until people point it out to me which is probably good for my you know keep me modest a little if bit you, um, if you um, if you look at that at that final arc. Um, when it when it kind of presented your theme, but in the more Star Warsy, you know, George, you know, uh, with the uh, Lucasfilm banner, and then the Clone Wars that, and it was in bright red. Uh, right. What did it feel like to really be on that kind of level now? To kind of hear your music in that presented in that way. Um. Well, you know, I had to. I had to write it <laughs> and I had to, you know, so it's not any one moment really. I mean, when, when Dave Filoni talked to me about doing that opening differently, it was, it was really cool. Um, there, you know, I think it's an overall feeling of 
I mean, if I had to talk about the most emotional I've ever been, um, it was when I was first hired. And, and I mean, those were some really, really trying times. Um, just working for George Lucas, working on Star Wars, having to rearrange John Williams' theme, which I actually was not comfortable with. And I told George Lucas that I was not comfortable doing that, that I thought John Williams had done it properly the first time. And, and that's still my opinion, actually. Uh, I think the best that could have been accomplished in that situation was to not ruin it. And I believe I accomplished that. I, I didn't wreck it. I took it a little bit of a different way that didn't suck. Um, that's probably the best that could have been done because John did it right. And that end of story, you know, that's it. Uh, the other things I did, for instance, the thing I'm really proud of, you know, is what, which is I call a galaxy divided, which is the music that takes over in Clone Wars right after John Williams' theme as the announcer says, war, blah, 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 you know, and he's, he's in that announcer, old-timey announcer voice. Uh, I really, I'm, I'm very proud of that melody and that that piece of music. I think it's, that's part me in sort of the John Williams Star Wars style that, uh, and I, I, I've been asked how I do that. I really don't know. Um, I've, you know, I studied him forever. I, I, I think part of his way of doing things is also part of my way of doing things. And yet I'm very unique because I, I'm a rock and roller. And he was, you know, trained at Juilliard. I, I never had a music class in my life, you know? So I, I'm, I'm, I've been overcompensating for that the, my whole life. I study scores all the time now. I've studied all his scores since the early 80s. Uh, but I'm a different kind of composer. So, you know, and it and it shows, I think. Um, let me circle back real quick. We talked about the characters and the character themes. When you're after the main theme and you're developing these things or your character themes, what, what do you look for in the character? What aspect of the character are you using to inspire you or, or influence that theme? So uh, the one I, I really remember, the first theme I had to, that I composed before I wrote A Galaxy Divided or any of that other stuff for Clone Wars, the first theme I wrote was Ahsoka Tano's theme. Uh, I had a conversation with George Lucas about it. We, we screened the first scene where we see her. She's sitting, I believe, alone in her cabin, kind of sitting on a bunk. And, and and there's just there's time for her theme to play, and that's what I wrote. What I look for is is the personality, the it's kind of a soulful feeling, you know. It's it's like I was very fortunate to start playing with a lot of African American musicians in L.A. when I was going to UCLA. I, I started playing a lot of blues and a lot of you know roots music, um, and many a couple bands I, I was like the only white cat in the band and and I really learned how to to kind of feel the music more than I had in the past you know and there was like I, I learned soul I think you know and as as a guitarist um and I I think that's part of what I brought into uh my composition is, is I kind of just have a feeling, you know, about who this person is. Dave Filoni's really good at giving me backstories and things like that, motivation, who this person is. Um, but as I watched her sitting there, I just kind of, 
I just had a feeling, you know, and and there was a there's a softness and yet a righteousness about her, and and a strength about her, uh, and those were all things that I I probably didn't even elucidate at the time, but those are things that I feel are all ingrained in her theme. That that's what I was able to achieve with that theme. And by the way, there are three Ahsoka themes, um, and they all play. If you if you want to hear them, they're on the soundtrack. Um, uh, I think it's called General Loathsome slash Ahsoka on on the the feature film soundtrack. What about so for the so for Big Batch or Bad? I'm, excuse me, Bad Batch. Do you have? Does each of the four Bad Batchers have an individual theme? They, yes, they all do. Um, and there's a new character, or a few new characters in Bad Batch that also have some really iconic themes too. I can I can tell you that much. Okay. Are any of them force related? I'm just trying to. Uh, I probably can't. I probably can't say that. Okay. So I'm not can't... sure I know that even. Okay. Okay. How about if How about if I just say a name and I'll gauge your reaction if you haven't worked on a theme for this show. Like maybe Anakin Skywalker. I I can't say any of that stuff. I, I really can't. <laughs> okay. I just, I'm sorry. And Kenobi. Okay, okay, okay. We won't push. We won't push it. Um, I play poker, guys. Right, right. Uh, what? Which? What? What? Uh, I do want to ask about the big batch. What scene? Can you? How can you? I know you can't say too much spoilers, or whatever. But how can you describe the scene that you think the fans are going to be most excited to see? Ooh, that's a good one. I wow, there's so many of them. I mean, I'm I just screened uh, the last episode of season one. Um, I would say the last two episodes have some really cool things in them. Um, but that's after you've, you know, you've got to be invested in the characters and the new characters and, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I can't really say what the fans, uh, I would say as a fan, probably there are scenes in the last two episodes of season one that are going to be the really cool scenes. And I actually, I, I'm just writing the music for those right now. Um, but I was I was really struck by by a couple of the scenes there. Um, I will also say that part of the part of the vibe of the Bad Batch is, and again, the music's moving forward. It's it's doing experimental things. Um, there's there's times when I play this uh, soloistic kind of cello thing that I have is right here. Uh. It's called a guitar viol, and um, it's a fretted bowed guitar, um, and it's based on a viola da gamba, which is an ancient before the viola, it's the predecessor to the violin. But I, I play it um, very soloistically with kind of ethereal and a uh, wash and and a vocalist. Um, I don't do that all the time. Um, but that's kind of a good example of some of the ways that we're stretching and, and, and doing things that haven't been done before, at least I haven't done before in Star Wars. Also, uh, 
the Dirty Dozen was a model and and kind of a thing to think about. This band of misfits, um, Kelly's Heroes, the Dirty Dozen, Guns of Navarone. Uh, that's kind of what the Bad Batch is in a way. And and I I get very old school at times and kind of do the the uh, Max Steiner, Bernard Herrmann, uh, Nicholas Roja kind of old old school uh, caper sound, which. I have a lot of fun with, uh, so that happens early on in the series. Yeah, I, I, uh, I could hear that the the fanfare that was that was in the Clone Wars theme and in the Rebels theme was missing from the Bad Batch theme, and it does sound really kind of like a pirate movie swashbuckly kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I, I guess that's kind of where you, you were. That's probably where you were trying to go with this, right? Was to kind of make it different, but to bring in this other kind of adventure kind of quality to it, right? Right. Yeah, there is a big adventure quality to that. Also, I have to give credit to my oldest son, Sean, who had a lot of lot to do with composing the Bad Batch theme. Uh, he's my co-composer on that theme, and I've been working with my both my sons, Sean and Dean, and they've been working on, you know, from Back to Rebels. They've been working on Star Wars with me, as well as other projects that that I do. So it's kind of a team thing these days, you know. It's it's not just me. Um, I've been how, doing this for like 30, 38 years. And uh, how so. old are your kids? I want to ask. Are are they like my kids that are eleven and fourteen and are just uh, you know banging out on their dance rhythms or? Uh... No, man, I got them out of college and everything. I'm done. So right. uh, so they work with you uh, on a professional my, level. They do, yeah. yeah. Um, Sean is 33 and Dean is 28. Um, Very cool. Dean went to the Berkeley uh, School of Music in Boston, which is if you're gonna if your kids are gonna be musicians, everyone out there, mm -hmm. that is the school to send them to if you want them to be gainfully employed. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna have Juilliard people get <laughs> mad at me, but people who graduate from Berkeley, like. The Make percentage so much higher <laughs> the ones that are employed in music than some. I mean, it's very sad. Uh, I mean, you know, but um, anyhow, that's a bit, he's a he's a really great composer. Sean, you you know, Sean wrote uh, Thrawn's theme for, in in Rebels, and Thrawn's theme is one of the fan favorites. You know, I I can't take any credit for that. That's that's my son did that. And where do you think your son ranks with the other composers of Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> just, just beside me, but maybe a little lower. <laughs> this week, I don't. We'll see what happens next week. Let's see what happens. Well, hey, hey, uh, Jimmy, that was a lot of Star Wars stuff. Um, I know you're dying to ask about the DC stuff. Uh, uh, there's, there's Titans. There's Doom Patrol. Jimmy, yeah. Batman uh, guy right. with with the bat hat. Go right, for it. right. So. You're working on Titan season three currently. Yeah, yeah I just finished episode three. Okay, and um, again, I kind of want to ask what what I know you can't tell me anything about characters we can expect, but what kind of what scene have you seen so far that is really going to blow our mind that you can? Um, you know, you mentioned Superboy, uh, mm -hmm. so you're aware that it's a different kind of Superboy, uh, mm -hmm. which is really fun in the Marvel universe. And I believe I could be wrong about this, but isn't he he mixed with Lex Luthor's uh, DNA right. or something? Right. I'm not sure they revealed uh, that on the show yet, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's 
that Superboy, yeah. Uh, and that's, so that's one of the stories, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There, there are several. Um, you know, Batman is around for sure, and um, and Dick Grayson's around. Um, I, as far as scenes, I mean, it's just it's, it's like all the seasons. There's so much going on in that show. It's just it's just insane. But you know, I really, um, I, I really. It was such a full full circle thing. In fact, one of the things that was really full circle was that. So I wrote this theme to Superboy a long time ago, and I wrote it for you know Ilya and Alexander Salkind, who who'd done the Superman movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and then here we have Superboy again, and my son Sean is working on a scene. He's like, "Hey, I'm doing Superboy," and uh, it was just wow. It's like 30 years later. My son, I mean, he, he literally wore a Superboy cape and, and outfit when he was like three or four years old when he was when I was working on Superboy. <laughs> and, and now now he's doing it. So that was really cool for me does and any, him. I think. Does any of that Superboy, your Superboy theme come through in his Superboy theme? Other than I, memories of that kid, I, I mean, if, if you would research it, I, I think um, you know. I, I don't know. You'd have to. I'll leave it up to you guys. To... Okay. So, uh, well, I'm thinking of that moment uh, for to set up the next question when uh, Bruce Wayne is kind of doing the Batusi, right? And you've got that sort of iconic music that's surrounded about that scene, that that Batusi dance. And then you also, you know, you work on Superboy after John Barry in a fashion after John Barry and you work on Star Wars in a fashion after John Williams. How how hard is it to stay to stay away from, well, I guess, that third rail of just totally copying off of the original music and make your own way, make your own path? Well, I mean, it's it's crucial. You yeah. know, that's that's sort of the first gig. Part of the gig is is to, you know, and that's what I'm most proud of in my career is that I, I believe that I have taken those properties and I have not just ignored the history of them. I've actually really been reverential with the musical history of them, but yet I've made it my own somehow. And, and again, I would have to like, I, I would say that, you know, a galaxy divided is a good example of me doing that. Mm -hmm. Let's let's say uh, Bad Batch is obviously maybe at least currently your favorite project that you've ever worked on. Could you pick another one over the past thirty eight years that stands out? I mean, Doom Patrol is insanely fun. Mm -hmm. Doom Patrol is so well done and so irreverent. Um, it's just, uh, I mean. I think it's a. I, I can tell you, like the first episode of Doom Patrol has a musical in it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I'm like, they call me up and they say, "Hey, we've got you know in the in the first episode there's a musical," <laughs> and I'm like, "Is this Doom Patrol?" No way. Like, yeah, it is Doom Patrol. I'm doing a musical now. I mean, the whole show is not a musical, but just to have that, you know, just to go do that is was so much fun. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, gosh, I couldn't even describe wild and wacky stuff going on, like a musical and giant roaches and all that kind of, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So really, maybe for you, opens up a lot of avenues of, of creativity. 
Yeah, but it's not madcap, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's there's also some deep, deep stuff. I mean, look at like um, Cliff's uh, relationship with his father. Holy smokes. I mean, there's there's some really gosh, gnarly stuff. Every all of them have deep, deep psychological really at the heart of it. That's a lot of what Doom Patrol is about is these people dealing with their inner voices. Now, some of them you know, literally with their 28 other inner voices right, and right. whatever it is. <laughs> but, you know, so so there are so many layers to Doom Patrol. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's bizarre, but it, it's not a madcap comedy by any means. In fact, it's a very dark psychological adventure into people's um, demons. Mm-hmm. So that's really, I, I, I just, man... It's it touches so many things in so many ways. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah, right. I I hadn't really maybe I hadn't really enjoyed it on that level as 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 such a deconstruction of each individual individual hero, right? And yeah, and then, yeah, I think really that's where where it's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that I'm just really enjoying, and I'm sort of naming things that I'm doing right now, which is, you know, I'm but. Uh, Narcos Mexico is really, really a great show, and I'm working on season, season. Well, what's season six of Narcos, but season three of Narcos Mexico, um, and and that's very different. I, I, you know, we're playing all the instruments, playing guitars and uh, eight string ukuleles and ronrocos and ouds from the Middle East and all kinds of crazy things in that. Would you? Well, like for Bad Batch, there's a pretty, there's a lot of orchestral music in there, it sounds like, at least in the theme, yeah. right? And then, um, mm-hmm. so are, you're not playing all that. Do you hire an orchestra? Or are you synthing that out? Yeah. Um, y- you know, I mean, it is a television show and, and it does have budget limitations. We always try to put real musicians in, whether that be like, I'll hire six violins and uh, three violas and a couple of cellos, and we'll kind of triple track them, and they all play three parts or whatever, to you know, to try to make it. And and maybe we'll combine that with the samples. I mean, we get a very big sound. I'm I'm proud of the sound we get out of, uh, you know, a, a small budget. But then also, uh, Disney is really cool, and they have given me every season a budget to record and we record in either Budapest, Hungary or in Prague in the Czech Republic. Uh, and, and there's a good, I can, I spread that, those recordings out, you know, in amongst different episodes where we, we pick kind of key scenes, but especially you're going to hear like, well, like in Clone Wars, I mean, the last three episodes where appropriate was, was a 70s, seven-piece orchestra, 78-piece orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, you got anything else? Well, I would actually, let's, uh, I, I, would, I could talk about Star Wars all day, forever. That's oh. kind of my life. It's I, bet, why, I bet you love why we started that, this show. <laughs> yeah, um, I would just love, you know, like, uh, do you know who the chosen one is by chance? Uh, is it Anakin Skywalker? Have they ever told you that? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not privy to it. You, okay, you know, like, right. like I said, I actually just found out what happens in the final episode 
of uh, of Bad Batch uh, season one. You know, I they 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 will tell me stuff if I need to tie a theme. Like if there's somebody in episode twelve that needs to be show up at the end or episode five or whatever, they'll tell me those things. But I sort of don't want to know. I I want to really watch it fresh. Um, I'm sure they would tell me if I asked, but I I I, I don't like knowing a lot of that. You know, I, so. So, and I don't think anybody knows who the chosen one is. Any, so. I, I don't. Well, I actually think that I, I think I know, but I just wanted to know if you knew. Uh, so the, um, if you, if you, if you dig into your IMDb a little bit, uh, back in 1987 and 1988, you worked with Sid and Marty Croft, who have a big Saturday morning TV connection uh, on a show called DC Follies. Uh, can you just tell us about working with Sid and Marty and, and speak a little bit about, about that time in, in, in TV? Yeah. Uh, well, so DC Follies was definitely not a Saturday morning right. show. That, yes. that aired on Friday nights. Uh, but then I did Land of the Lost, the, the reboot of Land of the Lost with them. Uh, and, you, you know, working with Sid and Marty, I mean, do you know they only did 13 Puffin Stuffs? what <laughs> yes because yeah, i watched that thing i you know i thought they did three thousand of them you know because hour long on. broke it into <laughs> no i think they wow. were half hours I, i'm not i'm not positive about that but yeah they just kept airing over and over and over and over um really creative people i mean dc follies fred willard god rest his soul i mean what a great guy um you know, I got to you talk about musicals. I, I mean, it's it's really when you you come up as a composer and stuff. You, you, you one of the things you want to do is a musical, and it's just almost impossible to do musicals anymore. Um, and so I got to do all these songs in DC Follies. I mean, I had like Richard Nixon and Barbara Streisand and Diana Ross all singing. You know, Richard Nixon is dancing in a tutu because he smoked some weed or mushrooms. And I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that show was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. And and then and you know, and the people who did the voices, I mean, the Barbara Streisand voice was so good. I was writing music for Barbara Streisand and Diana Ross. I mean, it was really fun. Really fun. That's amazing. So uh, we've had you a little bit, Kevin. I want to probably let you go. And on my way out the door, I just saw uh, Mark and I want to be the first ones a couple days early to wish you happy May the Fourth Day. Uh, May the right Fourth be with you. May the Fourth yeah, be yeah. with you. And uh, yeah, you know. Also, anybody wants to check out my website, kevinkiner.com. I don't sell anything there. I just tie. There's a couple of cool links. I'm going to have uh, the Canadian Brass did a version of the uh, Bad Batch theme just uh, for me. Like it was so, and they, they did a happy Star Wars Day thing. And there's a, a I'll link that, but it's really cool. So go, go ahead with what you were going to say. Oh, I was just going to say, what were you going to, what do you have any plans for, aside from watching Bad Batch? Um, working on Bad Batch because I've got to I've got to write for seventy five piece orchestra and it's like we score on uh, the twenty fifth so yeah I'm starting that already and and I also I have a feature film that I can't can't really talk about that I'm working on right now too so with a cool action star in it um, yeah so I'm pretty crazy busy on May the fourth I'll be working all day long right 
And then I, I apologize. I stepped on you. I do want to give you the chance to uh, plug away. You mentioned your website, Kevin Kiner. Is that kevinkiner.com? Yeah, it's kevinkiner.com. And my boys have like a, uh, I think it's a Spotify. I think it's Kiner Brothers uh, music. I don't know if it's, Oh, it's one of those. I, I'm not in, on any social media, but mm -hmm. uh, if you look up Kiner Brothers Music, uh, Sean Kiner, Dean Kiner, they have a really cool presence there, and uh, they're a big part of what our sound is now. Right, right. Well, we will check them out. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much, Kevin. Thanks oh, for your time, uh, man. Uh, hold on. I got uh, Jimmy, oh. you always ask our guests a very important question you're forgetting so right so when you get out when we were kids we used to have to fight for a spot on the couch with our brothers so we could watch the cartoons on saturday morning and when we sit down we pour a big bowl of cereal so i'd like to ask you kevin kiner what is your favorite bowl of saturday morning cereal oh uh, frosted flakes man attaboy Ooh, right out right without hesitation he nails it <laughs> i literally had a bowl yesterday and it was delicious it's oh my gosh oh, yeah God. that has to be it's banned from my house now because i'll eat them all right few and far between but yeah okay right. yeah, kevin Thanks. wow thank you so much this was amazing right on hey, great to meet you guys it was a lot of fun it's all pleasures all on this side of the internet man have a great day is this where they're going to give you $500? Yep. All I have to do is ride a mama bull. Name? Tony the Tiger. What outfit from Tiger? Sugar Frosted Flakes by Kellogg's out of Battle Creek. Never heard of it. Never heard of Sugar Frosted Flakes? Those big crisp flakes of corn with that secret toasted in sugar frosting? They're great! Uh-huh. We'll see how great. That's Tony the Tiger from Sugar Frosted Flakes riding Bone Crusher the Brahma Bull. The bone crusher. Brahma? I thought it was Mama. How'd you stay on, Pop? I just sang him a Brahma's lullaby, Junior, and promised him some sugar frosted flakes. They're great. Get sugar frosted flakes in the snack pack, too. <laughs> That's uh there's a lot of story in those old frosted flake commercials. Yeah, that was a, there was some puns in there. That was a, that was that was loaded. <laughs> he was going to ride a mama bull. <laughs> I just thought it was appropriate to like pay a little homage to uh, frosted flakes and uh, yeah, apparently cereal. Uh, top uh, cereal for our guest uh, Kevin yeah. Kiner. Yep, uh, if I remember correctly, that's 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 the correct answer. <laughs> yep. <right. laughs> Quite, quite a few of the older generation go for Frosted Flakes. Uh, I just had some. It. It's classic I, sugar. Keeps you regular. I, I literally just had some. I was at a hotel. It was one of those like hotel continental breakfast things. And I see the little the box of Frosted Flakes and I'm like, give me that. Would that like, be considered a snack pack? No, this is a box. This is a little tiny well, little box of cereal. What the hell is a Frosted Flakes snack pack that he mentions at the end of the ad? You know, uh, if you were watching it, there's a lot going on, but uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of complicated. That's a that's an old black and white commercial. I think it's from the the sixties, I fifties, I think. Mm. So that was a very old commercial, um, and it kind of cuts in between cartoon. It's got the live action bull, and I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but 
their great was actually said by the bull in this particular cartoon. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of a, a a little bit of a different accent, a little bit of well, Spanish. I think it's a nice treat for the audio medium. On, though. Uh, when he couldn't believe that the rodeo guy had never heard of Frosted Flakes from Battle Creek. Yeah, it was it's odd. But uh, here we are uh, talking about you talking about they're great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey, that's enough. That's enough chat about that commercial. Uh, Kevin Kiner, thank you. Great talk. Uh, you guys really got it. He didn't want he didn't want to say anything at first. I could tell, but you coaxed it out of him. Yeah. Well, um, I was I always try not to talk that much, but I end up always talking too much, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, oh, it's a it was a real... of the show. Never change, Marky. Never change. <laughs> Whenever it's a Star Wars guest, especially one of this magnitude, I have just got to just kind of take it over. And it was it was really awesome. I really do believe this guy is a really big deal when it comes to Star Wars. Um, and well, we know uh, you don't talk to anything less than pretty big deal. So. Right. That's whenever it's system. whenever it's against the magnitude, I always just say pop pop. <laughs> Community pop, pop. reference. Yeah, y'all. there you go, everybody. Uh, uh, so anyway, anyway, speaking of Star Wars, uh, I don't know if uh, everybody at home noticed this, but uh, since Disney Plus isn't uh, shitting out a, a gold egg <laughs> in the Marvel universe every week anymore, they jumped track recently with May the Fourth. And you got this brand new show, uh, very much the DNA of the Clone Wars, Rebels, the CG Star Wars verse. Is that a thing? Anyway, you got the Bad Batch. The Bad, Bad Batch, Batch finally has their own show. Uh, picking up pretty much, like, as far as timeline goes, the pretty much right when Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars ends. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's like the actual first episode is literally called Aftermath. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just... It's, it's like you get the Order 66 very early on, uh, and then you get to see how the... Well, I, we, we've only watched the first episode, only one out as of the time of this taping, but you get to see how it's uh, becoming... The Federation is becoming the uh, the Empire. The, the Republic is becoming... The yeah, Republic yeah, is yeah, becoming yeah. the Empire, not yet the Federation... Uh, it Federation is Star Trek, buddy. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Eventually. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, and it's sorted it out, uh, mate. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, for anybody who has not seen the first episode of the Bad Batch, because we're going to talk about that now. When we recorded the interview, we had not seen the first episode. Now we have seen the first episode, so it's a whole different paradigm right now. Uh, and um, but starting in the Bad Batch, like from the first like sound and then you see the clone wars in red logo and then it burns away and then it shows you the bad batch so you're it's like this really in your face uh, uh transition from that era to this era and it's telling you that everything is just burn it's just all going to hell right now and kind of like a kind of like a commercial for a good smoky barbecue sauce yeah it was very much yeah it was a very much a smoky <laughs> barbecue sauce kind of feel to that particular one which is funny because anakin skywalker as we know is like you know uh, uh barbecue Barbatrite. incarnate yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i i think that's, that's funny a good one yeah, and um, the show is fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. And yep, uh, they find uh, themselves now in this uh, changing world where a, a, a powerful despotic leader promising to make things safe is uh, chipping away and reorganizing the uh, 
the base foundation and you've got lots of brainwashed clones all cheering them on uh and then you got these uh these bad batch guys who are they're clones too for those yeah. who don't know but they're uh you know they're they're special clones yeah genetically deviation clones genetic deviance is a good word for that yep i would agree yes and um yeah and you know there's a lot of familiar faces there's uh famously uh in the first couple of minutes we see a cameo uh freddie prince returns to voice caleb dune who we are going to see again as the main character, one of the main characters in the Star Wars Rebels show. He is, for those of you that kind of are a little bit behind on this, um, Star Wars Rebels revolves around uh, Joris um, uh, uh, Kanan. And uh, um, Kanan is like the Jedi who trains the next, you know, he, he train, he's the, the main Jedi in Star Wars Rebels. And he trains Ezra Bridger, um, but he is in this particular episode as the young Padawan who escapes. And um, and Freddie Prince. Oh, so did, spoilers! So spoilers! He did escape. I, I already gave. <laughs> well, we already know because he's in Star Wars Rebels, which is. Well, later. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Jimmy. Uh, the the Padawan is the same character as star wars rebels just and in both case of the them... spoil wasn't complete right correct right. Undermine yes. it i'm gonna just go ahead sure and bring this home understand uh yes. yeah and so yes, uh the padawan was bruce willis who was dead the whole time <laughs> no freddie prince I... jr literally reprised the role of a 35 year old as a 13 year old in this particular episode working and... with his old cohort from wing commander Kevin Kiner. Kevin Kiner, that's right. It all Full circle, baby. George Lucas said it's it's all poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> it's all it's. Uh, also, baby. he worked on um, Rebels. Kevin yes, Kiner. that's right. Yeah, that's right. So it's all together. It all it all comes back around. And um, I forgot where I was going with this, but uh, everything kind of comes back. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> The show's great. The show is great. I think yes, that's what my yes. point was. It had, had a little yes. cameo there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, had a little cameo from Saw Guerrero. I know he's mm-hmm. uh, he pops up way Spoiler. later in the timeline. Uh, what other spoilers we got? Young uh, Saw Katana. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, and um, the the Saw Guerrero character was seen in live action, played by Forrest Whitaker. Um, and, but he is actually a character from the Clone Wars cartoon. So it's kind of like he started off in the Clone Wars cartoon and then he went to live action. Yeah. Um, and although in the timeline, he doesn't earn live action status or an A-list star until uh, he's about to die in the, let me, uh, let me ask you fellas a question about this show. You think, you think D Bradley Breaker, Brett, D. Bradley Baker, voice actor extraordinaire. Uh-huh. D. Bradley Baker, get the paid man, more the myth, the for playing five voices. I would, I would have Plus, to assume. Well, at least five voices, right? Because I normally you get contracted paychecks, for one but... voice, you do one voice, <laughs> and then you do three insulary voices. That's usually the contract. Is but it he's really? Billions of 
backup voices and no hold on i'm curious is that is that a fact is that like a standard thing yeah 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 i never knew that to my at least that's what the conversation has always been with with the voice actors that i've been fortunate enough to talk to uh i think you can take their word i'm assuming he's just paid hopefully one very nice salary because he's a he's a he's one of the most incredible most talented voices we were actually kind of he's uh, such a nice guy he has over 600 one hell of a model american <laughs> uh, he, he has over 600 voice credit or acting credits in on imdb i am not gonna do not start the imdb I am, no no, no don't do it uh, <laughs> hey, give it to me but, all the yeah, plug and uh yeah this 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 show i really like where it's going right now like i like the idea of you know it taking off right at the aftermath right after order 66 it's one of the most pivotal moments in all of star wars and to see how the clones kind of handle it uh and again another little spoiler alert for everybody but i really really loved how they explain why the stormtroopers in the original trilogy of star wars are such bad shots they're such bad troopers right you know they actually explain that in this one saying you know uh they're not as good as clones they're not you know they're not going to be as well trained they're not genetically modified they're going to be but tarkin says but they're a lot cheaper and that right there is all about the empire where the people don't cost anything to them Life doesn't mean anything to them. And so they rather just inscript people, just draft people into the army. What is it about Star Wars where they're constantly making me hate the Empire? I know. That's really what it's all about. Do you need to keep hitting me over the head with it? Yeah, that's that's kind of the main thing. Is it it true that the Emperor was a pretty nice guy until he failed out of art school? (laughs) <laughs> i don't i think i read that somewhere i don't know it's, it's i want to see true. i want to see the scenes of you know at some point the emperor went around to like open schools and poor neighborhoods and you know gave out turkeys like uh like like nino what's his name in new jack city like there must have been stuff wow. like that, that he was doing <laughs> Well, you never see you just see him cackling and living in a giant deep man uh like stone pit where they do mortal combat on the weekends uh the answer is no the the emperor's <laughs> main the emperor's main objective is order and it's order above all else and you can't have a lot of freedom where there's a lot of order that's just the way it is i'm not saying freedom but you know like pablo escobar show him show him like open up a the basketball court that he made pablo escobar narcos another show that was composed by kevin kiner everybody i love how it all comes back around so always back yeah it's a really good show everybody um you know uh i'm a huge star wars fan as our loyal listeners know and i i always come at these new shows with a lot of enthusiasm but you know i'm always a little you know i'm a little guarded thank god this show is so good a lot of Uh, tightening a lot of moistening in the front of my pants i i i I always comes um, adam soft i just i just want the show to have a reason to exist 
And I don't think the Clone Wars started that way, but it became necessary. What is this story worth telling? The when it comes to the Bad Batch, absolutely, because you know the politics of going from Republic to Empire. There's a big gap in what we know uh, in the Star Wars community, and that's what I think that the Bad Batch is is gonna gonna fill. And uh, can we talk about Omega a little bit? Any anybody have any thoughts on Omega? I think are, she's. Are, uh, we, are we committed to saying it, Omega? That's how she oh, says just, it, right? Just yeah. well, because she has a New Zealand accent. I think it's just <laughs> yeah. Omega, which I know, which which represents like the. Uh, it's the last clone. The beginning and the end. It's the yeah. last. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, the last Greek. clone. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you explain it, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I feel it's not a subtle name. Yeah. He's explaining uh, is just so we're all on the same page. I, I well, think it's we, the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 literally what that is. Uh, yeah, so I do have a theory on that. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put it to memory. I mean, I'm going to put it on to the record uh, is that uh, in the trailer, you see her shooting a um, a electric bow and arrow. And um, it's the same bow and arrow that the Night Sisters use. This is the the the, the kind of witches that are on Danthomir, which is where uh-huh. Darth Maul is from. And so what I think she is, is a, she's kind of a clone, a force sensitive clone. Which is force sensitive, witch clone. Yeah, I think that's what she is. And I think, um, which kind of fits into the whole saga because, uh, you know, if you go to the sequel trilogy, you know, Palpatine was looking for a clone that could, um that could absorb his force capability in the mandalorian that's why they want the grogu character because they're trying to harvest his uh medi medi uh chlorians so i think this all has to do with it and the Kaminoans did figure it out i i you know it's going to be interesting in how that plays out because the bad batch are going to have to protect her you know for the rest of the series she's going to be so you're very, saying very baby baby Django is this episode's this show's baby yoda i think she is basically the baby yoda yeah of this uh she's she's very special um but this one's actually a clone where you know baby yoda is not a clone why are you still fighting me on that uh, i still think he is the perfect age to be yoda's clone I just don't. Th- I just. It's a big universe. Why? Why do you have to clone Yoda? Why'd you have There's, to clone <laughs> we, Django? You Fett? just spent six minutes telling us about your clone theory. <laughs> but I come in with some Mandalorian clone idea. You're like, why? Why well, you even bring up clones? You're like, he's like, clones are dumb. <laughs> well, because what they're, yeah. I mean, look, this is a big fat rabbit hole. That we don't need to go down right now. That's true. Uh, people are people. You're I right. Hear people We've only got turning, so much tape. Yeah. Turning off uh, their iPods. Bad Batch is out right up. now. Let's check the reel to reel. Can we finish this episode? Check out Bad Batch. <laughs> it's it's a really good show. This is from the heart of a Star Wars fanatic. Um, you're going to hear the amazing music of Kevin Kiner. 
Uh, hope you guys like that interview. I liked being a part of it. I don't usually do the interviews, and you guys could probably tell why. I'm not very good at it. Uh, but Marky, uh, yes, sir. You are pretty good at yeah. self-deprecation, though. No, I'm not. I'm really not. not I'm really not very good oh, at it. I'm not good at it at all. Fun to hear. I can't. I can't really do it. <laughs> well, uh, at least you're not passive aggressive anymore. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm much more soft. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any more thoughts on the Bad Batch? Oh, so many. Uh, let me go ahead and start up right now. Uh, first of all, D. Bradley Baker, the one guy. Yeah, everything. he's. Yeah. Dumb. Uh, second of all, where was Darth Vader? Dumb. Third. Uh, in the same vein. Luke? Hello? We can't see a baby Luke yet? Is he not born? I don't care. Dumb. The war rages on. Separatist forces overwhelmed across the galaxy. We find General Grimshay whining like a fanboy. Podcast. Too long. That's enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.